Hello, I'm Neil Whelan and welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast. We're back again with the investments team and this time James Heaney is joined by Director of Investments Martin Lawrence and Head of Investments Margot Sullivan and together they look at the recent market performance and some of the trends to look out for in the future. As always, this podcast is for information purposes only and shouldn't be taken as financial advice. And if you are investing, always remember the value of your investment can go down as well as up, meaning you may get back less than you originally put in. And with that, let's hand over to Martin, James, and first up, Mark. I'm Head of Investments, but I'm also the Fund Manager of the With Profits Fund, and the Wesleyan Unit Trust Manager's Moderate Risk Reward Growth Fund. Perfect. And just for contrast, Martin, just summarise what your job is for us again. Hi, James. Yeah, sure. I'm Director of Investment. So whilst I don't actively manage a fund specifically, what I do do is oversee the entire fund range. So if you like, I've got a finger in all the pies in terms of just checking what's going on across the card. So that's my great privilege to be able to watch all of them. Perfect. Now, with the three of us being on podcast for the first time ever, I'm hoping that it's not as bad as the UK's Eurovision entry this weekend. And we're hoping for a bit more than a null squad. But let's see where it goes. And hopefully we'll add some value for everyone listening and really summarise what's going on in the markets and some of the key trends that the team are looking at. There have been quite a few dips and rises in the stock markets, particularly the UK. So not so much a roller coaster like we saw last year and more like a carousel. But let's take over with Martin. Martin, what's been going on over the last two months? Yeah, I think, James, it builds really on what we've been talking about in the past, which is this kind of vaccination story building in the background. So I think last time I was marvelling that we'd hit, you know, half a billion doses of vaccines being given out, whereas, you know, we're three times that level. It really has ramped up over the last couple of months. So we're about 1.6 billion vaccinations administered. And the key is, whereas last time it was about the UK and the US making progress, we're now seeing places like your catch up whereas the UK and US have had one third of the population fully vaccinated and about 50% of the whole population with at least one dose we're now seeing Europe making progress too so they've had you know almost one third of their population with at least one dose and that makes a difference because that just gives more confidence to markets so you've had this you know you mentioned about the the ups and downs of markets we've had the ups because of this vaccination program that's been improving but then the downs where you see some of the countries countries that are behind on their programmes and some of the spikes in the number of cases, that's just caused some of that volatility. And the UK is in a very good position as well. We have issued, well, I think it's now over 40 million uh, first doses of the vaccine. How does that impact the UK landscape and the market here specifically? Yeah, it just makes a difference because of that whole reopening debate. Everybody has still got this focus on the 21st of June and we've gone through the phases. And and to be fair, it's remarkable that so far everything is absolutely on track, that we've 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 hit the milestones that Boris Johnson had laid out originally. And, you know, we can't be complacent because that 21st of June deadline is still at risk. Um, but we're so far we're on track. So this new Indian variant that's coming in, we do have to keep an eye on. 
but there are signs from some of the scientists who suggest that the current vaccines do offer protection against even that variant. So that certainly is giving more optimism towards the UK. And the UK as a service-based economy is really, you know, would take it very positively if we can get things back up and running. And you're seeing that coming through in some of the economic data. And you alluded to the economic data there, Martin, but for everyone listening, can we just spell that out? What does it mean in terms of the UK employment rate, retail sales, any other data out there? What's that showing about confidence in the UK? And what does it kind of look like in terms of our prospects for the short term moving forward? There are an awful lot of statistics out there in the economy, but if, if you view them in terms of two categories, there is a manufacturing set of data and there is a service sector set of data. And as we were in lockdowns, it became obvious that parts of the manufacturing sector were able to operate, whereas the service sector, and if you think about things like shops, restaurants, they were still shuttered, which meant the manufacturing data improved first. But the encouraging thing we've seen in recent weeks and months is the service sector data has started to get better too. And if you have the combination of both, that just means the outlook for the UK economy is, is so much brighter than it was. So whether that's the retail sales number that we've seen coming through being strong, or some of this data called the PMI data, which gives you indications for various sectors, and they're showing that both the manufacturing and construction sectors are still coming through very strong, but now the service numbers are improving too. So those are the ones we're watching. Great. Thanks, Martin. And Mark, Martin mentioned the sectors there. So for everyone listening, um, could you just give an overview of what sectors actually are and the ones that you and the team are really focusing on for the benefit of our funds? Sure. Uh, one one bit I'll pick up from Martin's piece is the obviously the reopening trend, you know, sticking to the deadlines because of the vaccination is a really crucial piece of the jigsaw. Those retail sales numbers are actually stellar. They're very, very impressive. And one bit of information that I'd also point out is that the Bank of England recently produced an updated projection of the economic growth that they expect for 2021. Now, that number is very high at seven and a quarter percent. And the crucial bit that I would add is that if that number does come to fruition, then the UK economy would reclaim its pre-COVID level uh, of GDP. So the economy would actually be back above where it was before the pandemic, hit, which is significant. So in terms of sectors, I think retail, travel, leisure and hospitality, you know, they're, they're a, you know that those are some of the spaces where the natural flow, the savings that we've seen built up during the pandemic are being deployed because when people are allowed to go out and get about their daily lives, go to restaurants, shops, they do seem to be doing that. So the confidence is there as well. And I think that also comes back to the vaccination programme too. This, I think, James, I'd build on this. This um, moves us from a phase whereby the UK economy has been about recovery and when we, we get back to where we were before, so effectively the end of 2019, whereas now we're getting more indicators that mean we can look forward and, and start talking about what about the growth of the economy going forward. And then that changes all the narrative towards, well, the support measures that we have in place to support the UK economy at the moment, when when do they need to be rolled back? And then we're back on to our old topic, James, that we've discussed many times, which is about the outlook for inflation and the outlook for interest rates. It feels like we've all had more than our share of ups and downs this year, but there is hope for the future. And with less chance to spend, some of us even managed to save a little. 
Now's the time to get that cash working harder with a Wesleyan with Profits ISA. For over 180 years, Wesleyan's been the investment choice of doctors, dentists and teachers, some of our most trusted professions. But today, we can all share in Wesleyan's success. And because it's a mutual, we can share in the profits too. Invest in a Wesleyan with Profits ISA before April the 5th to maximise your tax-free allowance. Wesleyan, we are all about you. See wesleyan.co.uk forward slash ISA21. The value of your investment may go down as well as up. You may get back less than you invest. Tax rules for ISAs may change. Wesleyan Assurance Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Looking at the more international picture, let's take Europe as, as our closest kind of neighbour, if you like. What's going on with Europe and their economies and markets? And what's the outlook looking like for businesses there? Because while we're opening up international travel to some countries, for example, we can now put on the sun cream and head over to Spain, if we like, but we can't go to Germany and other countries. So that difference in picture between each nation of the EU, what's that, what's that impact on markets? Yeah, I think, James, I'll start there and then I'll, I'll hand over to Mark. I think from my point of view, it, it chimes with what we've been talking about with this split between the manufacturing sectors and the service sectors, because in the manufacturing sectors, you've got core parts of Europe that really are big engineering hubs, and they've been able to operate, if you think things like car industry, and they serve all different parts of the, of the globe. So they've been going along quite well, whereas the service sector, go back to the vaccination comments, because they were behind on their vaccination, vaccination programs, that meant the outlook for the service sectors wasn't as good. And if that now starts to turn, then the outlook for Europe will also be a bit brighter. But Mark may have some other comments on, on the economic part of Europe. No, I, I would agree in the main. I mean, the, the, other, the other areas that I would call out is that, again, consumer discretionary as a sector, again, this is back to where people are allowed to go out and spend again, has been strong. Industrials has been strong as well, because as Martin alluded to, the big manufacturing hubs, you know, Germany, for example, and its big automotive industries, you know, th those sectors have really rallied strongly. And that also plays to the, the EV, the electric vehicles theme as well, because we know that the economies will need to be greened over the long term. And that's something that's also taking place. But also, also financial services, banks, you know, but banks have actually had a much better experience of a deep recession than would ordinarily be the case. And that's because they took large impairments, provisions going into the recession. And it actually turned out with all of the government support, the fiscal packages, the things actually weren't as bad for banks as people had assumed. And with gently rising interest rates, that, that, that's actually helpful for the, for the bank's profitability too. Yeah, interesting point there. And you mentioned interest rates. Now, having a slight tangent conversation here, but... Um, Government borrowing levels. Let's talk about that for a bit. Sounds like an incredibly dull title, but it's actually really important. Um, now, Germany, for example, it's in negative interest rate territory. So people are actually paying the German government um, to borrow money. What impact is that having um, on different asset classes, particularly gilts, for example, in the UK? Yeah, I think I would actually carve most of, of what we look at into sort of the three blocks. Let, let's chunk this up into the US, 
the UK and then Europe. And in terms of the central banks, we've had recently the US who are just starting to make noises, which is the very first baby steps towards raising interest rates. They're almost starting to prepare the groundwork for some conversations that need to be had. The UK, because of this improved data that we've been talking about, there is a debate on when UK interest rates go up, and that's why all eyes are on the inflation numbers and the outlook for inflation. Whereas what you're referring to, James, in Europe, they're probably the back end of the three in terms of their economy is still in this kind of loose monetary condition. So low interest rates are going to be required for some time yet before, as you say, um, the likes of, of Germany and these negative interest rates come back up. So I think that conversation is, is further down the line. But uh, let's be clear, if inflation starts appearing in any country, in any region, then central banks will have to, to look at that. And because of these support packages that have gone into economies and these debt piles that you've uh, and talked about that are building up, at some point, markets have got to address how that gets paid back. But that's probably not yet. And is there a risk with the support packages being pulled by governments across the world that a lot of companies are going to struggle and that then has a knock on effect on, well, various factors, economies and markets? There is, James. Um, I, I just, again, it's going back to something that Martin said earlier around, the, you know, the high levels of government debt, those fiscal packages, which are essentially financed by the government debt. I think what's clear to me is that we're in a world now where austerity, i.e., you know, harsh tax regimes to try and recoup that just isn't palatable for either electorates or economies at the moment. So I think what will happen is that governments will try and keep the fiscal support packages in place wherever possible because they ultimately want economies to grow their way back to you know health and prosperity whereas the furlough schemes have kept the unemployment numbers low there is the point at which the furlough schemes need to be pulled back and then the economy effectively has to employ those workers directly themselves and that transition between the two is something that needs to be navigated very carefully otherwise you know if schemes are pulled too early you've got swathes of unemployment rising through economies um, and if they're held on too long then it could be inflationary and you could get too big a government debt building up so that little transition we need to keep an eye on too. Thanks, Martin. Very useful information. Great insight from both of you. Finally, I just want to end on a slightly different note. I want to have a look at the investments team at Wesleyan. So, Mark, there have been a few changes recently, haven't there? There have, yeah. I mean, we were delighted to announce that a couple of months ago we hired a lady called Caroline Vincent that's now a member of the team. She joined us having previously worked at Prudential Portfolio Management and also Cavendish Asset Management. Um, so Caroline is making great strides at the moment, just working our way through the team, the processes, our, our approach and style. And we'll hopefully have some some uh, updated communications in terms of the funds that Caroline will be taking on um, in due course. Great. And the socially responsible investment team is also expanding too, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So that's headed up by Lucas Howarth, um, currently with Max Reed um, working under Lucas. But they've also made a hire there. So we've got a new addition joining the team um, at the start of July and we're actually currently live um, holding interviews at the moment for a second um, new starter in that space as well. Fantastic. And it's all very exciting at Wesleyan at the moment because 
It was our 180th birthday recently. So I don't think I'll be going over to Spain on the holiday for quite some time. However, I can now get a COVID jab. So that's my form of celebration. Chaps, how do you intend to celebrate as well? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, in, in terms of celebrations, I think we'll be celebrating when we get the economies back on their own two feet. This is going to be such a dull answer in terms of what you're expecting me to say, but it's been such a you know, unusual 12, 18 months, unprecedented is, is an overused word we always you know, cling to. But if we can get through this and actually start seeing these economies ticking again, I think actually that's better for me than lying on the beach because, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of hot countries anyway in, in terms of, you know, this skin of mine just melts. So just give me a brightening economy and I think I'm happy, James. Spoken like a true investments lead. Now, Mark, come on, you've got to top that. Well, well I'll, I'll take lots of slices of cake as part of the 180th celebration. So I'll, I'll take that. But yeah, I, I agree entirely with Martin that if we can hit calmer waters where things are just more predictable, um, I, I think, you know, that, that lends itself to healthy sort of competitive returns. And that's our show for this week. Thank you to Martin, Mark and James. If you want more information on investing with Wesleyan, go to the website wesleyan.co.uk and have a look under the Investments and Savings tab to see the various options that are available to you. On the site, you can also book an appointment with a Wesleyan Financial Consultant who can give you bespoke advice around your finances, whatever stage of life you're at. You can also find us across social media on Twitter, at Wesleyan, and on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on wherever you've downloaded this podcast. But that's it for now. So until next time, thanks for listening.